Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Tales. If you subscribe to another feed on the Hand Tree Productions uh, master feed, then you're getting this because I'm putting this out to everyone. But I wanted to get this out there. Uh, I've had a request on, on another show to do a review of Avengers Endgame. And I thought, why not put it on Comic Book Tales because it's a comic book movie. And then just put it out on the feed uh, for everything else. So that's what I'm going to do. So my review isn't going <clears> to <throat> necessarily be uh, a play-by-play -play of what happened in Avengers Endgame. But more my impressions about it, how I felt it kind of closed everything out for um, the 22 movie arc for the MCU to this point. You know, they're, they're talking about a phase five, but right now this is what we've got. This is it. Um, and just, just kind of where we've come from and where we're at and maybe what looks like the future uh, holds for us. So Avengers Endgame, 22nd movie in the MCU. If you didn't already know, if you want to see an in-depth uh, Easter egg review of Avengers Endgame, you can go on YouTube and find many, many, many reviews of it, anything you possibly want. This is more my feeling. <clears throat> so I've been reading comic books all my life, and uh, Avengers was my favorite uh, of all the comic books I've read uh, through decades. Uh, Avengers was always the one I always came back to. You know, if, I, if money was tight, Avengers was the one I purchased first and foremost. That's the one I had to get every month. Did not miss an, ep an issue. Episode, almost said episode. Did not miss an issue because... That was my favorite, and it didn't even matter so much. I mean, it mattered a little bit, but it didn't matter so much who was on the team at the time. It just mattered that there was a team. And that's when I started to realize, somebody would ask me, who's your favorite uh, superhero? And I really, I don't have a favorite superhero. I have a favorite superhero team, the Avengers, but I don't have a favorite superhero. And maybe that makes me somewhat unique in the comic book world, because most people I talk to, they have a favorite character they like because... That was the first one they got comfortable with, first one they started reading, first one they were exposed to, um, or just it, it somehow hit them specifically and said, this is, this is my character. I don't have that, and that's okay for me. I, it, I, maybe it makes you unique, maybe it, it doesn't, maybe it makes me weak because I just can't pick somebody, but I, I just like the Avengers. I like what they stand for. I like what they are. I like who they represent. Um, now... Early on, I had a little trouble with the name Avengers because it sounded like Revenge, and there was an offshoot Revengers for a bit. But that's not really what it is. It's it, uh, Robert Downey Jr. said it in the first Avengers movie. You know, we may not win, but we're we're darn sure going to avenge our loss, and that's kind of what it is. They don't always they aren't the most proactive, although they've at different iterations have tried to be so. They're more reactive, and that's probably more what most people are. A lot of people are more reactive to situations than they are proactive. So it fits with uh, a common thing. And that's the, that's the theme in the Marvel Universe. These are people, take away the fantasy, take away the things that couldn't happen, and they seem more real, more likable, more believable. So hence the Avengers. So what have I, what have I thought about the 22 movie arc? And some some of the movies were better than others. Um, and it started out with Iron Man, 
the first Iron Man. We can't we can't talk about the Incredible Hulk because technically that's not part of the MCU, the Ang Lee version. Um, although it, it is, but it isn't. It's not officially, but it, it still it still influences the character uh, in the MCU. So, but we'll start with uh, Iron Man in two thousand eight, and we're eleven years into it, and I think the story has for the most part, carried through. You're getting the carry through with these characters. You're getting the um, the emotional connection for these characters. And I think that's that's the whole point of this story arc. It's an interconnected universe. Um, now, some people say, well, I have, to, I have to watch all 22. No, you don't have to watch all 22. You can have a passing knowledge of each character and still enjoy the movies. My wife has a passing knowledge and enjoys the movies. My daughter who's you know, young, still has a passing interest of, of the characters and still enjoys the movies. So you don't have to be a diehard, I got to know everything about this movie or all the characters that are involved to enjoy the movie. There's, there's real emotion that comes out in each of these movies and comedy and, and just things that you pick up as you watch. So the character arc for Tony Stark starts with a self-centered, egomaniacal genius arcs into eventually looking out for others back to a self-centered egomaniacal genius in Endgame, possibly, who makes the ultimate sacrifice for the group. Um, and I think his is the... We're going to take economics out of this because certain characters were not coming back and were killed off in Endgame. You can believe the scriptwriters or not, but they weren't coming back, so it was easy to kill them off. Um, financially, Robert Downey Jr. was not going to get more money out of the Marvel Universe. He'd already gotten more than more than enough, and he just wasn't going to get more. But this, his arc, if I'm looking at it from Endgame, he finally got the happy ending when everyone else missed out. Every, think about that. So if you watched Avengers Infinity War... It traumatized the universe, okay? Traumatized them. And, and Tony Stark was right there fighting to keep it from happening. But at the end of the day, he kept Pepper. She was still alive. And he got back to her. And he got to have a child. And he got to have the idyllic life on the pond. That's not what anybody else experienced in this group. So... Who sacrificed the most to undo the snapping? Well, it was Tony Stark, obviously. And he was the one always criticized for being the self-centered, egotistical, egomaniacal jerk. And he gave up the most. Now, when he went into it, he didn't necessarily know that. But he did know that if you undo this, I may not have a child at the end. Doing this snap, you're turning it back in time. I may not have what I have now. Yeah, half the universe is gone, but I have what I've always dreamed of, okay? I don't necessarily have that if I do this. Now, everybody else might gain. They get their loved ones back. They get their partners back, whatever. But I lose. Now, Pepper might still be there, but where's my child? And I think that's the part to me, if you watch that whole arc over 22 movies... That's what the theme is to me. You you make the you make the greater sacrifice for the greater good, 
knowing it may harm you the most. Now, it's not that Tony wanted Infinity War to end the way it did. That was not, I don't believe that was his intention ever going in. He didn't know what the future held. But looking back on it, would you have made the same decision? And I think that's hard. I think that's a hard thing to say until you're put in that position. But I think it, it would be really, really hard for me to make that same decision when nobody else really could do it. They needed me. And I'm choosing not to do this. Now, they can hate me, but I, if I'm true to my nature, Tony's the selfish one. Is that so hard to believe that I would be selfish when it comes to my happiness? But he is at first, and then he isn't. So think, think about that. He is, and then he isn't. And that's a big, it's a big deal. That's a really big deal for the entire arc of this of the MCU. You think, you think back to Stanley and Jack Kirby when this all started um, and the line about, well, Steve Ditko and Stanley, great power, great responsibility. I think that's a Stanley line. I don't think Ditko did any um, of the dialogue. I think it was all the art. But think about that. Great power, with great power comes great responsibility. That's a big deal uh, in this universe where accidental heroes occur. I mean, Spider-Man didn't choose to become Spider-Man. He was bitten. Um, the Avengers, more chosen themselves. I mean, Iron Man made his armor. He didn't have to make his armor. I mean, he did to get out of out of Afghanistan, but he didn't need to make the armor to be a hero. He just needed to escape and then be done. Thor, yeah, Thor was Thor. He, he didn't choose to be Thor. He just was Thor. Uh, the Hulk, accidental, reluctant hero at best. Black Widow, reluctant, um, not always a hero, not to start as a hero if you know her history. Hawkeye, same kind of thing. He started out as a criminal and became a hero, at least in the comics. We don't know. We don't really have much of his history here in the MCU or Black Widows. Um, Scarlet Witch in the comics was a reluctant hero and a criminal to start with. In MCU, it seems like she chose to be genetically modified, but that was because the mutants weren't allowed to be used in the MCU because they belonged to Fox. So maybe they'll re, you know, retcon that a little bit. I don't know. But there's some reluctance on some people to be heroes. There's some other people who just kind of was thrust upon them. But isn't that life? You know, the greatest leaders, I feel, are the ones who don't really seek leadership. They just are leaders. And I think that's the... It's easier to take them and say, you're here to do the right thing because you don't really want this role. It's the leaders we get who crave power. So is the MCU a, a reflection of society? I think to a point. And, and Endgame is no different in that respect. You're fighting for a way of life. You're fighting for everything you hold dear. I mean, if you saw the trailers and haven't seen the movie you recognize there's a great sadness everywhere. There's a, there's a great sadness everywhere. And I can recognize that. When I went back and watched these movies in anticipation of Endgame, I felt a lot of sadness as well. And I didn't feel that at the time when I was watching them originally, but you knew what it was building to. You knew in 2000, from 2008 to 2019, and you're watching 2019, you know what's coming and you, you can pick out certain things. And I think 
I have to give the MCU a lot of credit. They did a great job of putting little teases here and there that throw away lines or throw away actions that at the time didn't seem to mean much and eventually did. And I think that's that's what this whole journey has been about. And I call this the end of the journey. And it was a in the early Avengers years, it was called the Old Order, Old Order Changeth. And that was because... They're trying to infuse new new characters into the the brand, and they they just said, "Well, it's still the Avengers. It's just a new group of Avengers." And that hadn't really been done. If you look back on it, even if it's the uh, Justice League, there was still some core people. They'd throw in some people here and there, but it was still it was still the same core people most of the time. This was a total change. I mean, you don't if you don't know your your uh, comic history. In Avengers 4 is when Captain America was reintroduced. Now, he was created in the 40s, Frozen and Ice. If you've seen Captain America's first Avengers, you know that. He brought, was brought back in issue 4. And by issue 13, it's a whole different team with Captain America. So Captain America hadn't been around for 20-plus, well, technically 15, 16 years, hadn't been in print. He pops back up, and less than a year later, he's leading the team. And he's got a whole bunch of people you don't really know much about. Uh, even if you've been reading the other books that some of them are in, you don't really know much about these people. And suddenly that's the team. And it was a fear that they had no power. They didn't have a lot of strength. They lost all their heavy hitters, as they said. But it still continued the Avengers tradition. And that's what each of these movies in the MCU has done. It's built One is built upon the other. And part of that's with the end credit scenes. Um, that was not completely unique, but more of a novel concept to introduce these. What's coming next? Where are you going to see this? How do these link together? And again, remember, this is a total universe, much like the Marvel universe, where they're connected. Marvel Comics burst onto the scene in the early 60s because they were interconnected. Now, part of that was Stanley trying to remember everything, and he built it on what he knew and thought, hey, wouldn't it be great if all these people knew each other or at least interacted with each other at some time? The DC Universe didn't do so much of that, and therefore they were standalone titles and they had their own thing, but they weren't they weren't really connected. Justice League was the first time they really connected a little bit, but it wasn't overarching. They, they came together for their meetings and then they went their separate ways. This was this was a different concept. It would if you look back at some of those early comics, you'll see people in the background, you'll see things happening, you'll you'll hear about them in the in the book. That makes it feel real. And I talked about this in other episodes, but this makes it feel real to me and it should make it feel real to you. So what did I think of this end game? I liked it. it I've, I've waited a couple of weeks to, to think about it and record something simply because I wanted to really, really get it. Think, think thoroughly through this thing. And I like it. I'm sad that it's over. And I don't mean that they're not going to be more movies. I'm just sad that this era is over because this era is over. And there <clears throat> there had to be a time when that was going to happen. It's not like you could keep putting these people. This isn't the comic books. This is real life and these people age and they get priced out of being able to be in certain things. And eventually you have to change to new actors, new stories, new new overarching theme. And it'd be, to me, it would be very interesting to see where they go from here. Because it's hard to believe after 11 years, you're going to have to get to know some new characters better or some old characters a little bit deeper that you haven't seen a whole lot of. 
but now you're going to. And the strategy didn't necessarily make sense early on. And I, I would say the first two Thor movies were eh, not my favorites. Uh, I didn't really care for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, but the, for the most part, the rest of them really were interesting. And and they brought something different to the table each and every time. And it was Captain America's Civil War for me brought a lot of that together when there was the battle. And you, you're pulling in Ant-Man and you're pulling in Black Panther and you're pulling in Spider-Man. And it's all coming together where they were they were disparate parts and now they're they're joined. That's what makes it cool. That makes it cool for everybody who's invested in this universe. And if you're invested in the comic book universe, I know there are people out there who tell me the DC universe gets it right in, on on the big screen. I have no idea what they're talking about. I, I honestly don't. I want to believe them. Ben Shapiro is uh, is great for saying I love the DC universe over the Marvel universe, and he thinks Justice League was a great movie. I have no idea why he thinks that because I watched Justice League and it's a horrible movie. It's a, it's a, it's a CGI snooze fest. And I think to me, there's, there's two worlds. There's the MCU is George Lucas circa 1976, 1977 into the early eighties. The DC universe, DCU is George Lucas with um, the Phantom Menace and beyond. Lots of CGI, lots of tech but not interesting, not a story, not interesting. I think the Marvel has, there's some CGI quacks here and there, but I think it's really much better done than because there's an overarching story. Somebody sat down and planned the whole thing and took the time to do that. Remember, you can't shoehorn all these characters into two movies and say, go. It doesn't work because people can't get, in, they can't get invested and the DC Universe hasn't been able to do that, whereas the MCU has been able to do that. They've given themselves the time. There wasn't a lot of expectations for Iron Man or, or Hulk or Guardians of the Galaxy or Black Panther. These were secondary, tertiary characters in, in most places that, yes, they might have been the great things in the 60s, but this is the 2000s, and it wasn't really wasn't expected to do a whole lot. All the great properties have been sold off. So I feel like this culmination made a huge difference to the superhero genre as far as big screen adaptation. Now, TV, if, iffy for the MC. But movie-wise, to me, they, they didn't do everything perfectly. And a lot of people called Endgame a fan service movie. And, and maybe it was to a point, but so what? They, they say fan service as though that's a bad thing. Aren't the fans the ones who buy the comic books? Aren't the fans the ones who go to the movies and buy the merchandise? Of course, it's the fans. Somebody who doesn't buy all that stuff, do you really care what they think? I think we get too caught up sometimes in pandering to people who don't really like your product and saying, well, I want you to like my product, but they're never going to like your product. And then you change everything for them to like your product and you, you, you annoy the people who already like your product. It's like, hey, you were here already. Yeah, but I, I take you for granted because you don't matter because I'm trying to get that other group. Well, the other group is never going to care. So stop trying to pander to them. Pander to the people who actually got you here. You know, there's a lot of comic book lore still to be told on the big screen if they choose to do so, if Disney wants to do that. But I think they've done a great job to this point. So these 22 movies, they haven't been 100% accurate to the, to the comics, but, man, they've been as close as I've ever seen from any group. And they really tell a three-dimensional live action ish with CGI 
you know, sound effects and music, everything you want from your comic books to come to life, they've done. So to me, that's, that's the, the point you're coming to. That's why you watch these movies. That's, that's why you buy everything. That's why you buy, do everything involved in this to get to this point. Now, what's going to happen after this? It's going to be interesting. I, I think they're going to start to introduce some additional characters. They're going to, I think they're going to recast Iron Man. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go full comic book or they're going to do something else. Obviously, you saw the handoff for uh, Captain America with the Falcon, which is comic related. I think they're going to, you're going to see more of that. Um, I don't know that you'll never see Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans at some point in some role. And never say never. Sean Connery, never say never again. I think it's possible, but in a diminished capacity. Because let's be fair, Robert Downey Jr. is in his 50s. How long was he going to play Iron Man? You know, Chris Evans is younger, but he's. it takes a lot of work to get into the shape required to do what he's doing, even some of the stunts he's doing. So I think you, you have to move on from these people. And that's the, that's the challenge. In the comic world, you can just keep redrawing them. You get a new artist that look a little slightly differently, but the same person. Movies, you can't do that. Not, not, not to the point where you want. You can de-age them, but let's be fair. That's done better in some cases than in others. Uh, Aquaman being one of the bad cases. So this is a great opportunity for you to have a bookend. Iron Man 2008, Avengers Endgame, maybe Spider-Man Far From Home. They haven't really said that's part of the end of the phase four or not, but even if it is, you can you can kind of shoehorn that in there if you need to. But it's all encompassing, and you get a vast, vast world here that you can appreciate for what it is. Is it high art? Probably not, but I don't care. Is it going to win an Oscar for Best Picture? No. But if I'm being fair, most of the pictures that won Best Oscar, I didn't really want to see. They were They were pandering to critics, not to the fans. And the fans are the one that buy this stuff, not the critics. So my wrap-up basically is go see it if you haven't seen it. See it again. It ties a lot of these loose ends. And if you haven't seen the other movies, here's a great opportunity to go see those movies or watch those movies streaming or on DVD and, and just get a feel for what the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks like. So when you see Avengers Endgame, you can say, ah, I remember that callback. I remember that. That's the thing for fans, the callbacks, the, the things from other movies. That's what I loved. Was it perfect? It wasn't perfect, but it was as close as I think we're going to get with what they had to work with. And, and I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm happy I've experienced this journey. I'm happy to have uh, gone through it. And I think you will be as well if you like this genre. If you don't like this genre, don't complain because it didn't do something because you didn't like the genre to begin with. I have a friend who does not like uh, science fiction or fantasy or comic books. So she's not going to see this stuff, and, and that's okay. She's never going to go, wow, I can't wait to see the next Marvel movie. No, that's not her thing. No, okay. But you don't ask the person that person to say, what do you think of it? Well, they're not going to like it probably because it doesn't – I don't think there's enough here to bring in the person who absolutely dislikes this genre and say, I'm going to make them a convert. It's not going to happen. But the person who's casual, who kind of enjoys the action and kind of enjoys the story and kind of enjoys the whole theme – they're going to enjoy it. And the diehard fans, they're going to nitpick, but they're still going to enjoy it because it's taken something that was on a flat page and in their brains and it's put up on a screen. And that's what they've looked for for their entire reading lives. So 
check it out. I think it's I think it's masterfully created, and the whole entire story tells me something unique and different uh, that I haven't seen elsewhere. And think about Tony Stark. Go back and watch all those. Think about Tony Stark, his arc, and what he ultimately gives up for the greater good. That, to me, is the biggest theme of this whole thing, and I think that's something um, that may have been glossed over by a lot of people, but it's important to me, and I, I recognize it right away because I, I saw what he was losing to go back and do this fight. So that's my thoughts. If you like that, great. Give me give me some uh, feedback. If you don't, that's fine too. Uh, but if you got this clip or this uh, show in your regular feed for some other show, you can listen to it, delete it. It's up to you. But um, I wanted to share this with everybody. So thank you for joining me. I'm Chad. Good night. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.